So I get a due diligence clause, maybe 30 days, and I can research and find out what it is exactly I'm buying, what the constraints are, the rules, what the highest and best use is, and I'll do that deal. You're listening to The Right Club Podcast, where the focus is all about helping you grow your real estate investment portfolio and live the life you want to live. Come grow with us and join our community at therightclub.com. And now your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi. Hello, Right Club Nation. This is Danielle Saint-Jean, one of the co-founders. Before we get started, I wanted to ask you a quick question. Have you checked out The Rock yet? What's The Rock? Well, it's The Right Club online community, a place where you can go to find your real estate investing and business answers and network with like-minded people. We have interactive forums, all the podcast episodes, and hours of videos with a wide range of real estate investing, training and education, and much more. It's free to join, so be sure to come grow with us at therightclub.com. Now, on with the podcast. Right Club Nation, welcome to this week's podcast episode. I'm Sarah Larby, and today my co-host is Daniel Saint-Jean. Hello, Daniel. How are you? I'm fine. You? Good, good. We've got a great guest today, police officer turned uh, multimillionaire, developer, <laughs> investor. Um, great story from humble beginnings with Jason Bakkenfuso. We have a ton of great things that we, uh, we learned from him today. And, uh, and Daniel, you know, maybe just give us a little bit of background. Like you originally met Jason, I think, um, and, and brought him into the club. Do you, do you know, do you know where or how you guys met? Yes, actually, um, we got invited last year, a year ago, actually, to um, uh, look at reserving some units in a, in a development project in Niagara Falls. And we were invited, I think 10 people from the club showed up on Saturday morning and who was there to tell us all about it and, and uh, give us some information. That was Jason. So that's how we met a year ago. Very cool. Well, right, Club Nation, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoy the podcast with Jason. Let's bring in Jason. Jason, welcome to the show. How are you? Good, how are you? Good, good. We're excited to have you on. You've been a speaker on our stage many times. You've recently done a few uh, tours showing us your properties. Um, maybe let's, let's take a step back and maybe talk to us how, about how you got started in real estate investing and what the strategy is that you are doing today. Sure, sounds good. So I got uh, started in real estate investing quite by accident. I was a, a police officer with um, Durham Regional Police and I got hired very young. I was 19 when I started. And uh, I remember uh, my first sergeant said, uh, one day he called me into the office and he said, hey, close the door. And I, I said, oh, am I getting fired? You know, it's odd that a supervisor calls you into the office when you're not, not their same rank. And he says, uh, hey kid, what are you doing with all your money? And I said, well, I said, not really much. I said, I'm going to university towns and buying drinks for my friends at university where I should be right now. Uh, instead, I'm here and, uh, and, you know, sort of spending my money that way. And he said, well, have you ever thought about investing? And I said, well, what does that mean? And it says, uh, well, you, you invest in real estate. And at the time I was thinking, you know, why would I invest in real estate? First of all, I don't know what it means. And he said, he said, well, it means you're going to go and uh, buy a house and have someone else live in it. And I was thinking, well, that's kind of interesting. I don't know why I would do that because uh, see, I never came for money. My family didn't have any money. We didn't have any money growing up and things like that. So, you know, I remember um, uh, thinking in my head, well, why would I buy a house for somebody else to live in if I don't have my own house? And uh, he said, it's called investing. And I'm like, oh, okay. So he said, yeah, you buy a house, you have someone else 
live in there as a tenant and they pay you rent and, uh, you know, down the road, it makes you money and uh, that's it. You know, you get a little bit of cash flow and, but it's a really good investment. I'm like, yeah, okay, sure. What the heck? I have nothing to lose. Just perfect. At the time, a lot of the banks were doing no money down mortgages, you know, which is great because I didn't have any. And I uh, just started off as a police officer, you know, kid rich making 35,000 a year or whatever it was, which is kid rich, a lot more than my university friends had at the bar, I'll tell you that much. So, so on my days off, we went and bought a house and I bought my first house for 167,500 in Oshawa. And it was uh, pretty good, you know, three bedroom bungalow and put a clause in the agreement that uh, I was going to close it, you know, in uh, 30 days. And in the meantime, during that time frame, I got a tenant, collected first and last month rent, and uh, had enough money to pay for my closing costs. So did that. And I thought that was quite fun. So I was looking at it going, well, this is great. I own a house. It's not costing me anything. I'm making a few hundred dollars a month cash flow, nothing crazy, but it was not costing me anything. So I said, how do we do this again? And he kind of looked at me and said, already? I'm like, mm, yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, it makes sense to me. I'm a simple person. If it makes sense, do it. So I'm like, let's do it. And if it makes sense once, it makes sense twice. So we uh, went out again and bought another house and bought another house and another one, another one, speed up the story. I had uh, 150 properties in my first three years. And the values, of course, were going from like, you know, 160,000 to 200,000 to 300,000 to 350,000, 400,000. And uh, it doesn't take very long to amass wealth when you have that many, um, that many uh, houses. It's almost like people that buy shares in a stock, you know, if you buy a lot of shares and they go up, you make a lot of money. So, so I had a lot of shares, had a lot of uh, shares in the housing market, I guess. So I started uh, then. So my second person or, that I took advice from was the Monopoly guy. So I said, okay, well, it makes sense in the board game Monopoly. I quite like it. And if you want to make uh, a lot of money, then you trade in, um, you know, uh, a few houses, four houses, and you buy an apartment building and you've traded in four houses and buy a building, you know? So that's what I started doing, trading in some houses and buying buildings. And then, you know, I got bored of that quickly because I get bored easy. And I, I said, okay, well, what else can we do now? So I started buying commercial plazas and that was fun for a while. Then I got bored and I said, well, let's keep, you know, ramping it up. So I started buying some land and I was buying land in the way of development. So I was buying land in areas that were growing. And what would happen is a developer would approach me after I bought the land and they would say, hey, uh, let me buy the land from you. And I was like, okay, uh, sure. Because they're paying like 10 times more than what I paid for the land. So that seemed like a good deal. So I started selling some land off. And then I started realizing, well, hmm, if they're willing to pay me 10 times more than what I paid for it, and I'm sure they're not in it to not make a profit, maybe they're onto something that I don't know about. So instead of selling land uh, just outright after a while, I started partnering. So what I would do is I would uh, partner with the developer and I'd say, look, you can buy the land from me at this price and uh, I want to stay in the deal for a small piece, but there's rules. See, the rules are this, whenever you have a meeting, internally, externally, you're gonna meet with engineers, consultants, the city, whatever the case is, you need to invite me to the meeting. Why? Because I wanna learn. So I would do that and I would partner with a lot of developers and I chose you know, the best, the, the best and, and top developers to partner with, which is great and learned a lot from them. And now I do a lot of it on my own. So it sort of um, happened by accident. That makes sense. Good accident. Yeah. And, and right now, uh, so, Right now, as we are sitting here interviewing you, first of all, where are your developments and, and roughly how many developments we're we talking about here that you're dealing with right now? Uh, so I have developments all over North America, but primarily uh, in the greater Toronto area in Golden Horseshoe. 
it'd be hard to get you an exact count, but I would say I would have, um, you know, pretty close to 200 active um, projects on the go right now. Hmm. And looking at you, you still look like somebody who gets sleep once in a while. So <laughs> how do you do that? How do you handle, manage, look at, envision 200 projects and still find time to talk with us and obviously eat and, and sleep? I think it really comes down to this. I don't do any of it. So, so I operate as if, I think one of the major cornerstones that allowed me to, to go from you know, uh, investing in a house or not investing at all to a house and, and to what I'm doing now is that I operate every minute of every day as if I have no arms, no legs and no brain. Let me explain to you what that means. So I truly believe I have no arms, which I do. I have they're short arms. I mean, and legs and their short legs too. I have what doctors call a little bit of a height problem. Still waiting for my growth spurt, but I don't have any arms, any legs, and I don't have a brain. So if I have no arms, no legs, and no brain, uh, it means I can't be tempted to do something because I don't have any arms and any legs, so I can't do it anyway. So let me explain what I mean. I currently you know, have over 2 million square feet under construction, and I don't know how to hang a picture frame. And I'm very serious about that. So I don't know how to hang a picture frame, so I'm not tempted to try and hang a picture frame. Now, let's say that I was tempted to hang a picture frame, you know, because I have arms and I'm like, well, I can just do it myself. I don't need anybody. I'm just going to be the one that hangs the picture frame. There's only so many picture frames I can hang in a day. Even if I was the world's greatest picture frame hanger person, right? <laughs> there's only so many I can hang in a day. Let's say I could hang one, you know, let's say I could hang five an hour. Okay. Well, how many can you hang in a day without sleep? You're still doing less than 125 in a day, right? So, yep. so I would only be able to hang 125 picture frames in a day. I couldn't hang 5,000 picture frames in a day. I certainly couldn't build 2 million square feet, right? So, so if I'm not tempted to, to do it at all myself, I have no arms and no legs, so I'm not tempted to try and do it, it forces me to go out and find the picture frame hanger expert to hang the picture frame, right? Lots of those people out there. It's like open up another box of picture frame hangers. You can get as many as you need to, right? So here's a, here's a question though. How do you ensure that because you're you're a little bit more hands off than than maybe many, uh, and, and I'm sure you're you're living you know a, a great life that you have the time and the freedom to do you know probably more than somebody that was going to do and be involved in everything. How do you make sure that you have the right people on your team? That's a great question. So the right people on the team. Well, number one is uh, I only deal with uh, the best in the industry that I can find. So if you, they say you get what you pay for, all that kind of stuff. But if you go and you have a whole bunch of uh, people that kind of don't really know what they're doing, then all you've done is traded physical time of hanging the picture frame into mental time of trying to manage those people that don't, that keep messing it up. So you have to surround yourself with the experts. And once you do that, you don't let go of them. Those are the experts. Those are, you know, it's like anything in investments, for example, um, you just find people that are doing what it is. They're already doing what it is you want to do and just copy the heck out of them and follow what they're doing. I often say this, if I wanted to get into the stock market and I don't, because I, I like to invest in things I can touch and feel yeah, right in front of me. But the thing is, if I wanted to get into the stock market, I wouldn't be trying to decide what stocks to buy on my own because I don't know. I have no brain. And number two, if, and I'm not going to take advice from, uh, you know, 
Frankie, the stockbroker down the road, who is selling stocks for a living, because if he really knew how to make money selling stocks, guess what he wouldn't be doing? <laughs> selling stocks. Right? If he really knew how to yep. be investing, he wouldn't be selling stocks. He'd be laying on a beach in Maui drinking peanut butter. <laughs> okay. That's true. So you can't take advice from those that, that haven't done what it is you're setting out to do. So for me, it's very simple. I have no brain anyway, so I'm not tempted to get in my own way and decide what stock to buy or not. I would just simply do this. I would just find out what stocks Warren Buffett's buying and I would just buy the same stocks he is. It doesn't mean you have to have the same money as Warren Buffett. Like when he buys a stock, he buys controlling interests in companies. But you know, if he's buying a billion dollars worth of stocks in Apple, probably a good reason for that. I should probably throw in a few dollars into the Apple stocks or whatever he's buying, okay? So that's really a, a very simple. So I'm a very simple-minded person at the end of the day. I just do what makes sense. I don't need to reinvent the wheel or be the person that does it. I don't need to stand on the top of a mountain and go, look at me. I just built this building with my own bare hands. I'm yeah, that's, that's really the, uh, the way. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Today's podcast is brought to you by LegalSecondSuites.com. Ken Beckendam is an amazing real estate investor. He understands the process of the conversion inside and out. And he has built one of the largest by volume design build firms in the GTA that specializes in legal multifamily conversions, anywhere from two to 15 units. And he's been involved in either the designer or the contractor in well over 250 conversion projects, which resulted in over 600 legal dwelling units. That is a lot of legal dwelling units. And Ken and his team at Legal Second Suites, they cover everywhere from Halton, Niagara, Haldeman, Norfolk, Brant, Hamilton, London, Tri-Cities, Barrie, York, and anything in between. He's one of the few firms that can complete the entire process for you from design to construction to property management. So it's truly a one-stop shop. So reach out to Ken at LegalSecondSuites.com. Again, it is LegalSecondSuites.com. And now back to the show. And last um, a few days ago, we had I had the opportunity to be at a, a tour bus slash event um, where you had uh, six to seven people of your staff, and I can tell you, Sarah, these people are like a well-oiled machine. It was actually interesting to watch them interact and go back and forth. And oh my God, what a nice organization! And that was just a few of the many, many, many people who do stuff for you: your arms, your legs, and your brain. Yeah, and then that's the thing. So it's a good compliment. And, and the truth of the matter is, is that everybody on my staff is better than me at everything they do anyways. So it's perfect. Like I have no brain, so I can't be tempted to do something, you know, get to get in the way or make a wrong decision. If it's a construction question, I ask my vice president of construction because they know 50 times more than I'll ever know about construction. So I don't get in my way. So life's really easy for me in the sense that I'm not my I'm not a barrier that gets in my own way because I don't have an ego that thinks I have to do anything. As a matter of fact, I'm responsible for getting it done. Big difference between being responsible for getting it done and doing it, big difference. Yeah, absolutely. So here's a question though, just because a lot of people are wondering, you know, how do you, how do you, um, you know, have so much opportunity that you're cultivating and, and you're developing and, and, you know, you've got in the, on the go, I think you said 2 million square feet. Like, how are you structuring these? Like, maybe just give us an example of like a deal that you're working on, you know, are like, how are you structuring it as uh, a single uh, owner? Are you bringing in partners? Like maybe just walk us through if somebody wanted to do it themselves, just what you're doing. 
Okay, so so right now my deals are um, I, I buy the deals. I, I don't I don't have partners when I buy the deals, and then I, I take it through the process. So let's give an example. Let's say it's a residential subdivision, for an example. Okay, so I'll buy the land, and it's sort of like being an artist, where you have to create um, what is it going to look like in compliance with the official plan and the zoning bylaws and, and stuff like that, using those as constraints. So I would look at it and say, okay, well, I would pick up the telephone, call my architect, walk down the hallway and talk to him and say, listen, uh, I need you to tell me what the maximum density I could do on this location would be. And an hour, hour and a half later, he'll come back to me and say, okay, the maximum density you can do in this location is 980 houses. And I would say, okay, can we do townhouses? Can we do condos? Can we do commercial? Goes back, researches the plan, comes back and says, uh, no, 980 single family townhouses, that's the maximum density without going through rezoning. And if you go through rezoning, in my opinion, it's going to take three years uh, and it's a maybe and it's going to cost us 850,000. I'm going to say, oh, I just like the 980 houses, let's go. So you see, I'm not the one trying to figure any of that stuff out. Okay, I could do it if I had to, but it would take me two weeks for something. I just got an answer for an hour. And in the hour he's spending getting me the answer, I'm doing something else. So buying more land. <laughs> yeah, I'm buying more land. So so what can happen is if I were to put a deal together, just let's say I but let's let's use an easy one that I'm doing right now. Okay, so it's an apartment building, um, ground up construction. So I buy the lot, and this is the first thing I do is I I, I purchase the land. And I have a due diligence period if I can get it. Most times you can, sometimes you can't. And if you can't, you really have to know your craft because you're going in firm. But let's say you have time. So I get a due diligence clause, maybe 30 days, and I can research and find out what it is exactly I'm buying, what the constraints are, the rules, what the highest and best use is. And I'll do that deal, get 30 days due diligence, and then I'll bring in my team of experts on what I call um, an initial uh, case consultant. So what I do is I... I um, bring all the, the people I need to the table on one phone call. Usually it's five minutes, could be a meeting face-to-face, -face, five minutes, 10 minutes. And I say, okay, here's the property. And tell me what I can do with it. Give me all my options. It's like being in the military. You're the general. Give me all my options. Come back to me with all my options and then I'll make the call. So I go to them and say, look, give me all my options. And my architect will come back with all his options. The engineer comes back with all their options. Sales division comes back with all their options, what they think, you know, the prices would be. And everybody gets together, finance, all the people in my organization come together. They give me all of my options. I make the business call as to what direction we're going to go. Okay, let's go with townhouses. Let's go, in this case, an apartment building. Okay. Now, the decision I need to make once I have all my options with the apartment building is how big are the units going to be? Um, I'm going to get the constraints from my architect and I'm going to say, and my planner, how big are the units going to be? What are the finishes going to be? My salespeople are going to recommend what my finishes should be to match the market and put a price on it. I'm going to get finance to tell me what financing options are on the table. If we go this direction, I think we can get this kind of money for this price. If we go this direction, it'll be that kind of money. And I'll make a call, whether it'll be an apartment building or a condominium after I have all the information brought back to me. Once that comes back to me, then I'll, I'll say, okay, well, if it's a condominium, now it's like choose your own adventure. So if it's a condominium, I'm going down this, this path to this side and uh, I need to go and get Terry on registration. And then I need to look at, am I going to build it internally or am I going to hire a builder to come in and do the deal? Or am I going to sell it to a builder? So those are options. If I'm going to keep it and it's an apartment building, then I look at it and I say, okay, am I going to bring in uh, partners that are going to keep this long-term? Am I going to bring in a pension fund to buy this when it's all said and done 
Am I going to be a merchant developer, which means I'm building it for the purpose of selling it to the market, or am I going to um, build it, fill it up, refinance it, pull all my money back out and plus some, and then keep it for a long-term investment? All these decisions I'm going to make, but I have time. Nothing is in a rush. I have lots of time to make that decision once I get all the information back to me. You did say uh, on the tour on Saturday that uh, what makes you money is knowledge. And you gave, um, and we were parked at that point in front of that, um, that, that dilapida dilapidated um, garage, whatever. And, and you explained to us what you bought or what, what, the, what the realtor thought he was selling you, what you bought, why you bought it, and what it is now and where it's going to be. And all of this based on knowledge. I have to tell you, people were freaking out on the bus listening to you looking at that piece of land. Uh, that was amazing. Um, so knowledge, it's all about knowledge. Sure. And, and, and really having, you know, the right people around you to teach you and give you those decisions, you know, help you make those decisions or make them for you even. So a great example is, yeah, whenever you look at an investment property to buy, always consider at the beginning, what is the highest and best use? It's not always what it is. So there's examples I could give time and time again, where somebody sold an auto mechanic shop in a location and the seller and the realtor selling it thinks they're selling an auto, automotive mechanic shop. But in reality, the highest and best use is a 30 story condo tower in that same footprint. So if you know, if you have knowledge or surround yourself with people that has not, that have knowledge that understand how to apply the, um, federal policy in line with the provincial official plan, along with the regional official plan and how it integrates into the uh, municipal official plan into the zoning and intensification. If you understand all that stuff or have an expert that understands all of it, you see the world differently. So when you drive by and you see uh, an office building that might be three stories tall on, you know, a 150 by 150 lot in a downtown part of any city in the greater Toronto area, Golden Horseshoe could be anywhere in Vancouver, any, any busy city with, you know, even with 30,000 people or more, if you're on a main street with uh, a building with excess land parking and whatever the case is, they're not actually selling or what you're looking at is not actually a building that's three stories tall. You're looking at a future condo development. And, you know, so that's what you're buying when you're evaluating the deal. You're not evaluating what you're seeing in front of you. You're seeing the world for what it could be. It's almost like scouting. If you take it in sports, they draft, you know, in the NFL and football right now, they draft the best athletes. They don't draft any position specific. They look and say, who's the best athlete? I can teach him to play football. And what is this person's potential and what is their ceiling? Look, they can run a, a 40 yard dash in 3.8 seconds. You know, this person is going to be a superstar in the NFL, no matter where I put them. They're seeing their potential. They're drafting them for what they're going to be, not for what they are right now. Because people would look at it and go, the person doesn't know how to play football. They don't even know the rules. They can't hold the football. They don't know how to catch a football. And the, the scouts are like, I, I don't care. I, I just got him off of a track because he runs a 40-yard dash in 3.8 seconds. I don't care if he knows how to catch a football. You're missing the point. I'm not looking at a football player today. I'm looking at what's going to be later. I, development's the same thing. Uh, when I recruit people, Okay, I don't care what their technical skill set is. I want their DNA. I want to hire. I want to hire and surround myself with the right DNA because I can provide clarity if they have motivation, 
and they have a lot of integrity, we can provide clarity. So I look at development the same way. I look at it, what is it going to be in the future? I look at it and I fast forward five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, using the knowledge on how the cities are going to evolve. And now we're going to take a quick break to hear from one of our sponsors. Hey, Right Club Nation. We want to take a quick break from the podcast to introduce you to a longtime supporter of the Right Club and many members of the Right Club Nation. Mr. Dylan Suter of Elevation Realty. Dylan, take it away. Thank you so much for this opportunity. We as Elevation Realty are the sponsor for the real estate slot at the Right Club and we have been attending since the second Right Club. We are an investment-focused, high-volume real estate team serving the Golden Horseshoe from Oakville down to Niagara. If you are looking to increase your cash flows or you want to find an incredible opportunity, we deal with builders, we deal with off-market opportunities, as well as we are very creative and negotiate the best deal for even on-market opportunities. We've helped a number of clients with the Right Club find flips, single-family rentals, duplex conversions, three- and four-unit renovations, all the way up to large residential buildings with high cash flow. A little bit about myself, if you haven't heard, personally, I've scaled over 300 doors in the last two years, which has given me a ton of experience in in analyzing all the deals that may come across my desk for you. So if you're interested in learning more, please reach out to us at 905-592-4220, or you can email us at admin at elevationrealty.ca. That is admin at E-L-E-V-A-T-I-O-N, realty.ca. And let's sit down and create your investment dream portfolio. Guys, and I have to say, I stand behind Elevation and Dylan. They found me. My last few properties have done an amazing job. 100% recommend them. So thank you for all your hard work. Now, back to the podcast. And now, back to the show. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. What's the biggest struggle right now, you know, while you're you're doing these developments? uh, You know, is it finding new deals? Is it getting the financing? Is it... uh, you know, I, I don't know, it could be a wide variety of things, right? I mean, there's, there's struggles and, and there's things that are more difficult. So what, what do you think that would be and, and why? The biggest challenge right now is finding deals. Uh, too much money, too little deals. Deals are the hardest things to find right now. So the one thing they're not making more of is land. And since they're not making any more land, uh, it's a challenge to keep your pipeline full of deals. I'm saying I, I've got, you know, close to 200 uh, deals on the go. I, I want to do 2000 deals, bring me more. Like if anybody knows of any deals or anyone knows anyone who knows of any deals, I want to know about them, you know, development deals. You know, I, I've got a, a, you know, an open checkbook to, to buy deals. So that's, that's my biggest challenge right now. If I could wave a magic wand, it would be, I, I want more deals. I don't have enough deals uh, to feed my machine. If that makes sense. Yes, because I remember on Saturday we were looking at a particular piece of land where you've been building something and then you were expressing frustration because right next to it is another piece of land and the guy apparently doesn't really want to sell it or whatever. Uh, It's in the family or something and you were uh, evidently very frustrated at the fact that you can't own the whole street. (laughs) Exactly. That's a challenge. Look, it is a challenge um, getting... um, Finding deals, you know, really is. We, we, we've built a pretty good machine that, uh, you know, we're capable of executing on the deals when we have them. We just need more. That, that's our biggest problem right now. So you say you have no brain, but you have to have vision because, for example, the deal in St. Catherine, that fourplex that you bought, dilapidated fourplex, and you're restoring it, but you bought it because of the land around it, and now you're going to build a 32-apartment building. It, how many 
people every day drive by that building, look at the building and go, oh, I wonder who lives here, yeah. And then, or even investors, and nobody stopped to look at the parking lot and the space around and go, hey, what can I do here? So it's got to, knowledge is, is great, but vision, v vision must be your, 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 uh, your strength. Did you always have, did you always have vision too? Like just to add to what Daniel said, or did it come over time? Maybe in certain areas, uh, vision a little better than others, but it's uh, really what it comes down to is the vision appears when you have the, the knowledge and the opportunity presents itself. So when knowledge and opportunity come together, that's what creates the vision. And uh, when you have knowledge and opportunity, and if you have a lot of knowledge, and when I say, if you have a lot of knowledge, here's what I mean. Knowledge must be present. It doesn't have to be yours. I mean, uh, look, I lived in a rental property when, when I first started investing. I, I, don't, I didn't know anything about anything, but I took other people's knowledge and that's what presented the opportunity. So I talk quite often about the wealth building trilogy. It's something that I've created and I talk about regularly. And in order for wealth to be created, you need three ingredients. Think of it like a science class. Uh, you know, when you had that beaker in science class and you dropped in a couple of different uh, chemicals together and something happened. Hopefully you didn't blow up at school, but something happened. Okay. When you mix the two things together, three things together, well, here's required in the wealth building trilogy that I talk about. And um, you need to have money present. You need to have knowledge present and you need to have opportunity present, but neither three of them, none of the three have to be yours. So in order to create wealth, there has to be money, knowledge, and opportunity. And what do I mean by that? Well, if you have a lot of money, but you have no knowledge, you can't see the opportunity, okay? Or you don't know if an opportunity is good or bad. Only when looking through the lens of knowledge, through the lens of knowledge, does the money know if the opportunity is good or bad? It doesn't know just, you know, blindly. So if you have a lot of money, and you don't surround yourself with people who have a lot of knowledge, what's that line of fool and money soon part ways? So you need to have, you don't have to have the knowledge at all. Like, let me just give a quick aside here about the knowledge. Okay, look, I do so many deals, it's ridiculous. I have hundreds of contracts a week going in and out for various parts of different deals here and there. I would not be tempted to go to law school and graduate with a law degree and spend seven years doing so, and then studying for another five years in a real estate law firm to know what clauses need to go in the agreement. I just send a message to the lawyer and they do it. Okay, so it's not my knowledge on how to put the deal together. It's I'm just taking the, I'm bringing the knowledge ingredient to the beaker so I can create wealth, but it's not mine. It's like, I just borrow it from someone else, right? Okay, so, so I, and same with money, like, great. Okay. I'm fortunate. I can throw money into deals, but I don't need to, like I can go, there's lots of money out there that people would say, Hey, yeah, look, I'll back the deal. And then you look at the deal through knowledge and it creates the opportunity. And those three things um, present build wealth. None of it has to be yours. You can be a fly on the wall and in your science class. And if your classmate puts money, knowledge and opportunity together, it builds wealth. It doesn't have to be me and I could still own the beaker. I don't have to be the one that puts the ingredients in, but I'm going to benefit from mm -hmm. what it creates. And that's really, I think the biggest game changer because a lot of people often say to me, you know, well, I'd love to start investing, but I don't have any money. I'm like, well, I guess you know what your problem is now. Got to go find <laughs> it. You're still responsible for making sure that money gets in the beaker.
So I was thinking about that the other day, what you said, and on the way back home, um, allow me to make a comparison. Do you go to the symphony once in a while or to, to um, a concert? Yeah, adventure. Okay. So what do you need there? You need good musicians. You need a great score. Mozart, Brahms, Beethoven, and then you need a good conductor. You have a bad score, it doesn't matter how good the conductor is going to be, and the musicians, it's going to sound terrible, and vice versa. A good score, and nobody can play their instruments. Or, the, anyway, so that's how I see you. I see you as the, 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 the person at the front there with the baton, and everybody knows exactly how to play their instruments, and then you, there's a great score, and then, which is an opportunity, and then boom, you make magic. Well, it's a good it's a good way to put it, yeah. Because you don't have to be the one that plays the instrument or or writes the score, any of that stuff. It's it's uh, you're just responsible for making it happen. So I'm responsible for making sure all those ingredients get into the beaker, but I'm not responsible for it. <laughs> for sure. So Jason, I, I want to ask you just because obviously you're, you know, putting putting these people together, putting the knowledge, putting the money, putting the deals, uh, and, and you have a lot of people uh, as well, you know, working on your team. Um, maybe walk us through just like your lifestyle, like what that looks like, or, you know, from a, a work-life balance. Um, you ever go away, uh, do you ever go away on a vacation to, let's say an all-inclusive resort in Cancun? Sure. Yeah. I actually did that two years ago. Yes. Uh, that's what my life looks like. Do you care to expand? <laughs> Meaning? So, uh, so when you have money, you have options. So so I remember and certainly didn't have any money when I grew up. So it's easy for me to remember that. Um, it's when you wake up in an all-inclusive vacation, you just, you decide what you want to do that day. Do you, do you want to go on a fishing excursion? Do you want to go, I don't know, uh, trekking through the wilderness? Do you want to go and, and lay by the pool? Do you want to go and get drunk at the bar? Do you want to go have a nice dinner? Do you want to whatever? And you never, if you notice at a resort, you never have to look to consider how much it costs or you never have to consider um, anything because you're on vacation. Um, so I guess the easiest way to describe it is it's, it's like, it's, uh, I, I just, I live as if my life is an all-inclusive resort. I don't have to look and check for budget, anything. What, if I want to get on a plane tonight and fly to, um, you know, to New York city, I'll do that. I can fly private. I can fly commercial. I can, Whatever it just so so that it just it gives you options so that's the best way to describe it on a high level um, is just I I can live life as it, as if my life's an all inclusive resort. Okay. Do you adopt? Uh, do you adopt people? <laughs> I I have one one um, question I really want to ask you. What what is the best piece of advice you've ever received from? I don't know, an author, a coach, a mentor, another investor, a networking. You do, you do networking know that event. that's part of the lightning round question, right? Yes, I know, but I want to okay. ask it now. Okay. Fair enough. Well, I have a lot of answers in that specific category because it's not just one piece of advice. If I had to sum it up in just one word, it's action. So there's a lot of people out there that uh, um, the life they want to live is merely an idea. It's just an idea. Like, I hope to be able to do this one day. I hope to be able to do that. And last time I checked, hope is not a very good business plan. So, so that, so taking action, action and massive action, like the more action you can take, the better. So taking action for sure. Uh, another great piece of advice. You can't go broke making a profit. 
is a really good one. Because a lot of times investors are like, well, I could sell this now and make 100,000 or I could keep it for another 10 years and maybe make 200,000. It's like, uh, okay, but uh, you have a chance to take 100,000 right now. It's really hard to go broke if you're making money. So don't get greedy. If there's an opportunity to make a nice return on the investment, do the deal and don't stay married. Do not stay married to the property or the investment. Stay married to the game. Huge. Take your money off the table. Don't put it in your bank account and let inflation make it disappear. Like you realize that, right? If you have $100,000 in your bank account today, this time next year, it's only worth 96000 the way it's going, right? The year after, it's only worth 91500 Okay, like it's getting, it, just, it disappears because inflation goes up, right? So, so if you leave your money just sitting on the sidelines, no, stay married to the game. Take the money, take a profit, awesome, and then go back into something else. I'm so happy that you mentioned action because in my bestseller, I don't know, from 2005, I think I must have, I don't know, out of 586 pages, it's probably 40 pages uh, dedicated to, to uh, action. Um, there was the, there's this lady I, I do a, a coaching with, and she keeps telling, telling the people, knowledge is power, knowledge is power. I just want to reach in and strangle her because I can, I can show her probably 100 people who have way more knowledge than she or I together, and they're still not doing anything because they're not doing anything. And, 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 and as an example, so what were you doing last Saturday evening that normal people would do, but what did you do during that evening that nobody, nobody on this call would be doing? Okay. Talking about action. Sure, fair enough. I was at a I was at a friend's birthday party, a dear friend of mine. And uh, while I was at the party and still present at the party, um, you know, I, I happened to be able to uh, be able to do more than one thing at a at a time, I suppose. And while I was at the party partying and what you do at parties, uh, I bought a plaza, like a land that I'm going to build a beautiful commercial plaza on. While, while I was doing that. So that's like, you know, a, a hobby. I just I'm all, I try and always stay on. When you talk about action, this is really important, I think. You know, um, so in, in a lot of my, in my books and in my lectures and stuff, I talk about this. I say, look, I start the quote right there. It's right in the front of everything that I do in my bio even. It starts with a quote and it says, while other people are making excuses as to why they can't do things or why things can't be done, I'm doing them. So, you know, there's that little voice that sometimes people have or you hear where it's like, oh, well, I, if I could only, if I just knew what to do, I would do that. Or I, I could never be a wealthy investor because of like insert A, B, C, D, E. And they're, as they're storying that excuse, they have a front row seat to watching me dominate the industry. And I just keep talking about that because I take action. And Colin Powell, who recently died, I talk about this a lot too, who recently passed away. He was the, um, the Joint Chiefs of Staff in the United States military, four-star general, was a Secretary of State under the Bush administration. And he said all successful people, when he studied every successful person he's ever met, he said, here's the one commonality. They never make a decision when they have less than 40% of the information, but never more than 70% of the information. So let me break that down for us real quick here. If you have less than 40% of the information, you don't know what you're deciding anyways. There's no decision to be made. If you wait till you have more than 70% of the information, don't worry about making the decision because someone's already made it for you or you've already lost the opportunity. And a great example is when I do a launch in one of my projects. If I have a condo project and I have a, a room of 200 people and I only have 100 units to sell, 
I'll say, hey guys, uh, gals, here we go. Here's the deal. I've got, thanks for coming. I have um, 100 units here and it's in this location. And uh, here's what the building looks like. And here's the price list. That's already 55% of the information. If you're somebody that says, oh, well, what are the finishes going to be like? And how big is the bathroom going to be? Which way does the door open? And what's going to be down the street? And how does the balcony work like that? What kind of material are you putting on the floor? As you're working through those things in your mind, there's nothing for you to decide on because 100 units are already sold by the people that take massive action. If they're like, oh, I have to ponder and think about it for the night, don't bother because it's already sold. So they've already taken the opportunity. So you can ponder, I don't know what, but it's gone because they take massive action. Amazing. That, that's great advice. I mean, Jason, we'll have to have you back again, but we, uh, we do have to wrap it up soon. So we're going to ask you, uh, I guess you answered the first question of a podca- our podcast lightning round. So we're going to ask you the three remaining questions. Uh, I will ask you uh, the next one. Are you ready to play? Fire away. This week's lightning round is brought to you by Butler Mortgages, Canada's number one mortgage brokerage three years in a row. If you need a great mortgage broker to help you with investing in real estate or to help you purchase your next home, reach out to Daniel Patton and Michael Zanzini from Butler Mortgages. You can do that by calling 905-569-8326 or toll free at one 888 and check out their website, butlermortgages.com or by email, daniel.patton at butlermortgages.com or michael.zanzini at butlermortgages.com. And let's go to the lightning round. All right, first answer that comes to mind, what is your favorite resource? Could be anything at all, if you had to think of one resource. People. Okay, all right, great. And question number three, what is the attribute that has made you so successful? Taking action, we already (laughs) talked about that. Yep. It's, um, it's making decisions and, and taking action. All right. Absolutely. No analysis paralysis. Number four, it's Sunday morning. What are you doing? Deals. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, really on Sunday morning. Yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm hanging out with family, right? I have two kids. They're awesome. And, uh, and a wife and we're hanging out and, but for a purpose, it's like, I'm thinking, how can I help change more lives and build the futures of more people around me? Very cool. Amazing. Jason, where, where can our right club nation reach out, find out more? Like, is there a place that you would like to have them, you know, go to? Uh, I do have a, a website that people could um, register to see what we're up to and some opportunities. Uh, and it's viewallgtahomes.com. So it's www.viewallgtahomes.com. That's a good place to start. Amazing. Jason, thank you for being on the show. It was a pleasure having you on and uh, we'll definitely make sure to have you back again. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jason. Take care. Well, that was uh, definitely exciting and uh, and super informative. I mean, Jason is a wealth of knowledge. Uh, Daniel, what's your main takeaway from today? Take action. But then again, that's what I say to people all the time. Take action. Nothing happens without action. Yeah, absolutely. And you, and you know that the, the 30 to 70% was a great point as well in, in terms of- 40 uh, to 70%, 40 to 70%. Ah, 40 to 70%. There you go. You don't need to have 
all the pieces of information because you'll never likely have all the pieces of information, but just enough to make the right decision. Right Club Nation, thanks for tuning in again this week and please leave a rating and review and check us out, therightclub.com and check out our events. We've got a ton of great events every single month happening. Many of them are uh, virtual, but we've also gone back to some in-person and some really cool uh, social events as well. So check that out, therightclub.com. And on that note, what do we say? Come grow with us and customize your life. Yes. Thanks for listening to the Right Club podcast and joining our community of real estate investors online at therightclub.com, where the focus is about helping you grow. We look forward to seeing you again next week. Thanks from your hosts, Sarah Larby and Alfonso Salemi.